Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. In today's episode, we're going to talk with Ian Boyd, uh, the X's and O's expert of Inside Texas. He uh, breaks down the game film uh, every week for the Longhorns. And really, we're going to, since it's a bye week, we're going to ask Ian some larger questions, I think, that need to be addressed. And that's, you know, why is Texas having these issues in the second half of football games on offense? And the run defense for the Longhorns has been uh, problematic in the second half as well. Uh, so uh, that's going to be the, the, the uh, basis of our discussion today. Uh, but I don't want to just leave it to where we're only talking about the problems. I also want to ask Ian about he what, what he thinks are the potential solutions and maybe what Steve Sarkeesian and his staff might be doing. And, and I think he has some inklings to that uh, based on his, on his film study as well. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and get in it and bring Ian Boyd of Inside Texas into the show. Welcome, Ian. Hey, Bobby. It's good to be on. Yeah. yeah. From, uh, good. Nice cool weather here in Michigan. <laughs> there you go. It's I'm a, thinking about. I'm thinking about doing it as it gets colder. Just adding layers so you see me like in a parka at some point. Or <laughs> well, so be it. That's a beautiful background. So you've been watching the Longhorns uh, on film uh, all year for us, and have done a great job, in my opinion, of trying to explain it uh, to people that aren't necessarily as um, with it on X's and O's as you are, and and you do a nice job with the graphics that you create. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, really what I think every Texas fan wants to know, what has happened to the Texas offense in the second half? And what has happened to the Texas defense in the second half of the last two games? Um, I think they're definitely connected. I think Sark has been trying to say as much in his pressers, trying to, get a little bit of the pressure off the defense and take some of the responsibility on offense, which I think is right. Um, two weeks in a row, they defended 80, 82 plays and only ran 60. Um, and it, no, there's not just that huge disparity, but there's also the fact that it's all coming in the second half as the game wears on. So um, I, I agree with him that you can't expect any defense to hold up that long playing that many snaps back to back to back, that many drives. Um, You know, maybe an elite defense would play better than Texas. Texas is not an elite defense, but I do think they're a little better than they've looked because of that. As for the offense, um, you know, you can't help but notice there's a little bit of the – I don't know if people remember this, but back in the Sean Watson days in 2014, Texas would come out, run their opening script, and look kind of competent maybe get some points on the board early on. And uh, then they'd run off, they'd, you know, run out the script and uh, have to start, you know, adjusting and reaching around for something. And they just couldn't find anything. This offense kind of looks like that. It's obviously a much, much, much better version than that, but there's still that dimension to it. You can, you can see plays where uh, 
they tried to run a play action and, and um, Casey Thompson looks and he doesn't like what he sees and he's not sure what to do. Um, they had a lot of RPOs they tried to run against Oklahoma State that went wrong for really a variety of reasons. Um, I, I don't know. I think some of it is that they are struggling to adjust and they're struggling to play off script if they don't have something well orchestrated and coordinated uh, for Casey Thompson and they have to just go out and, and beat something that's been prepared specifically for them and adjusted for them, it seems like they have problems. You, you know, I, I agree with you. And that's something that I, I brought up, I think, earlier in the week. It's just it feels like the first half of what we see for the Longhorns offense is, is way different than what we see in the second half. Um, is part of that to do with the competency of the Texas offense at this point, the players on the Texas offense to adjust the experience, lack of experience at quarterback, um, whether it be Thompson or card, right? Cause neither of them have a ton of experience. What is that all combined with to, to really bring about that sort of thing is, and, and it may go beyond X's and O's here, but that's kind of my, my thinking is what, what is the idea there? I think, yeah, I think there are some parts that go beyond X's and O's. It seems like that offense was really struggling at the end of the game, especially once they had to uh, shuffle Kerstetter in to the center, you know, for the last series. I mean, they just looked totally beat. They looked mentally beat. And if you go watch that third and one play, I don't know if a single offensive lineman won his block, uh, nor Cade Brewer. Uh, Cade Brewer gets whipped around the edge by Brock Martin. Um uh, Christian Jones, Olay, some guy passed him. Kerstetter gets tossed. It's it's a bad look. They just look beat. But um, that, was, that was much later in the game. They'd had, they'd had a lot of failures before then. Um, I think some of the X's and O's breakdowns are that – I don't know that Casey's lack of experience is a problem. He generally seems uh, reasonably poised, I would say but he definitely is limited in terms of his arm strength and being able to push the ball outside. If you go for like freeze frame, uh, second half possessions against either Oklahoma or Oklahoma state, you'll see they both have their safeties very, uh, very deep in the middle of the field. They're not even out to the hash marks, much less beyond the hash marks. And they are both within 10 yards and they are reading flat footed when they, when they're watching the initial action. So they're not, um, they're not backpedaling. They're staying shallow and they get there real fast when they read run. Um, and there's just the only way to do, to beat that is either to load up big bodies and run it anyway, and just try to run them over, which is tough. But I actually kind of think they should have done that a lot more in both of the last two games. Um, or it's to throw the ball outside or over their heads. And uh, Thompson is kind of gun shy about trying to put the ball over the top and over the middle. Uh, I think he struggles with the placement. I mean, most honestly, most college quarterbacks would struggle with that placement, but Casey's pretty gun shy about it. And then when he's trying to throw outside, it's very, very hit or miss, even throwing, you know, bubble screens like we saw. Sometimes he, sometimes he doesn't lay it out there very well. So I think that's, that limitation is a major X's and O's limitation on this offense where the offense is designed to relieve pressure off of Bijan with play action shots down the field and RPO shots to the perimeter. And not just because of Casey, but for a variety of reasons, they're not, 
they have not been executing either of those most yeah. weeks. So one of my questions there, Ian, is this. I mean, so I felt like uh, Thompson was hampered by the thumb injury a little bit, like on that bubble in the, the fourth quarter to, to Xavier Worthy. That ball fluttered, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. It gave the defense more than enough time to make a, a you know, strong play. And so I wonder if that's part of it. My, my other thing, and you talk about solutions, right? And I feel like uh, Thompson, whether it's because he's had a lack of uh, time in the pocket, but he's not checking down to the backs nearly as much as he did in either at either against Rice or uh, Texas Tech. Um, and those those led to some big plays. He, he seems to be just going through that first read and looking downfield and not taking the three, four, five yards that might be given, given him elsewhere. That's That'd be really good to, to look into a little deeper. Um, I, I'm a little hesitant. I wonder how much of that is just the fact that they have to leave the back end to protect because uh, they're not protecting well. Um, there was a play that I, I put on Twitter. I made a gif of on Twitter where he, um, I think actually is that one where Malcolm Rodriguez just totally plowed into him. And somebody was like, Hey, look, the tight end is wide open in the middle of the field. And it was like, yeah, he had no time to get to that read. He's like looking first read slot, double covered outside to worthy one-on-one throws that one and can't even get it off because he's getting just crunched mid throw so yes third read tight end is open but he's not even getting there um so yeah it may be that he's uh it may be that he's a little bit floundered i feel like he handles pressure reasonably well he doesn't force balls unless um like the interception at the end of the game you know it's we got to get down the field so i think he forced that and didn't read it very carefully but most of the time he'll take sacks over throwing picks which i think is the right the right answer um but uh he doesn't seem to respond very well when he throws a pick or a near pick that really seems to bottle him up and make him very cautious so uh i think he's handling the pressure well which is good because it's coming pretty often and it's not going to stop coming with this offensive line but um yeah the he is he's definitely been a little bit gun shy about about finding receivers so, so here's the next piece to you. Um, what are the solutions then? You know, you mentioned one possibility of, okay, so maybe they just need to run up. Maybe they just need to stick with the run deeper even uh, and just try to big body some people. Um, and, you know, I think they did that against TCU to some degree late in that game. And actually that's how they won that game really. But um they neglected to do it or were unable to do it, choose your, you know, whatever it was there against both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Um, you know, what, what do they do here now? I mean, um, other than, you know, making a decision of who you are, do you run more outside zone or inside zone? I mean, I don't know the answer. Um, what do you think Sark's taking this bye week now and trying to evaluate as they move forward? It's a, I think they're in a difficult philosophical position where I think Casey Thompson is more of a spread quarterback than he is a pro style guy. Um, but if you run like 11 personnel with three receivers and spread the field, um, 
you are inviting the defense to load the box and force you to beat them outside. And so you, your quarterback necessarily has to become a primary playmaker for your team. And I don't think that's where they want to be. Um, they want Bijan to be the primary playmaker. So I think they have to go into this bye week thinking, you know, we need to work on our 12 personnel. Maybe they need to experiment with 13 personnel and get Gunnar Helm or uh, Jatavian Sanders or uh, Juan Davis or whoever the next best, you know, blocking tight end is out on the field so that they can just kind of line up and say, we're going to run it. You know, we're going to run it, but that's okay. Cause we have a hat for every defender um, and just, you know, lean into Bijan down the, down the stretch. I don't think they can uh, get away with trying to spread teams out with Casey Thompson. There's, there's a couple of defenses left on the schedule that are, that are every bit as capable as Oklahoma state was of loading the middle of the field and playing really smart, disciplined football there. So how do you want to, how do you want to handle that? You know, Casey or Bijan, I think it has to be Bijan. So who are those teams just for, for so everybody? Yeah. Baylor, the next one on the docket is good in the middle of the field. You know, Dave Aranda does a great job. They are disciplined. They, they were figuring out defense last year. They're, better this year they have good linebackers they have a few good defensive linemen they have a few good safeties and uh, they will disguise they will make Casey prove he can throw outside their corners are not amazing but honestly neither were Oklahoma State's so um, and then that's another area I kind of think they should have thrown it outside to Worthy more on a corner um, tried to get some easy yards on on hitches or something underneath if they're if they're playing soft um, and then Iowa State, obviously, Iowa State has a terrific de- – this is probably the best defense I've seen from Iowa State this year. I think in general that team is a whole lot better than everyone realizes because they had those two uh, losses early in the year. But if you watch them, they are, they are a terrific team. They might be better than Oklahoma. You know, we'll see. And um, that going into Ames against that defense, I think, is an absolute buzzsaw for this team if they don't get a lot better and, and figure some of these issues out because they have – they have big linemen. They have big linebackers. They have hard-hitting safeties that are big. It's it's not going to be pretty if they don't adjust. Gotcha. Okay. Not 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 necessarily what Texas fans want to hear, but I think it's important that people understand that that uh, these problems aren't going to fix themselves, um, and uh, Texas has to be ready for that that uh, likelihood. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly what. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian attempts to do over the next two weeks, get ready for the next following two weeks of Baylor and then, then Iowa state names. Um, You know, I I look at this and then I I mentioned the offense and then you mentioned the complimentary complimentary issue of the defense getting run over kind of in the second half uh, of those games. What, you know, from your standpoint, Ian, what, you know, X's and O's wise strategically, what are the problems that you're seeing at Texas right now on defense? I've probably been a little, not to make a pun, but I've probably been a little overly defensive of Kwiatkowski because I feel like he's been getting kind of a bad rap. Um, I thought, you know, they had the big issue with counter against Oklahoma where they, they couldn't stop that play. And that's very troubling. Um, but even with that, if uh, Caleb Williams doesn't pull those two miracle throws down the field to Marvin Mims um, out of his bag of tricks, then 
those are both third downs. Um, Texas probably wins that game, maybe comfortably. Um, I mean, it's Oklahoma. They have star quarterbacks. It's just what happens. But I think they're doing a lot of the things well. I thought they played well against Oklahoma State. Um, some of the busts against the run later in the game against Oklahoma State happened when they would get um, Sorrell on the field at end for Collins. And uh, Devin Richardson at linebacker looked a little bit lost at times. Jalen Ford was really a revelation. He was terrific. I, I honestly think they're close to playing good defense of the style they want to play. Um, I don't know if we'll see it fully realized this year, or if it'll be next year, they, I'd say the biggest issues have been um, they've not been good enough at outside linebacker. They may have resolved that with Alfred Collins moving outside to Jack. He was very good against Oklahoma state on review you know, live, they were playing a lot of three, four. So he's almost playing like a true defensive lineman more often than not. But when he was on the edge, he was pretty good as well. Certainly better in that role than Jet Bush, who I think is a good player, but just totally miscast for that role. He's too small to, to do some of the things they want to do there. Um, so outside linebacker, I think, has not been what they want. It's They've not had the pass rush or the defense on the edges against the run that they want. But it might be turning a corner with Alfred Collins stepping in there. And uh, really their best outside linebacker is probably, other than Collins, is probably um, Ovi. And uh, he's pretty young. So I think he's still kind of figuring it out. I think there's upside there as he figures out that position. And then uh, sometimes they have issues. They, they will play six in the box. The safeties are very deep. Everyone sees that. So they're not arriving very quickly. If they don't play the run really precisely with the front six, then they can get into trouble. Um, I think Luke Brockermeyer has been pretty good this year, but he does struggle to get off blocks at times. And I thought Jalen Ford was actually an upgrade there. So uh, I think down the road, Ford might replace Brockermeyer and bring an upgrade because he's just he's just bigger and a little, a little quicker. And he's hard to keep blocked. And then uh, back at safety, uh, it's been – pretty mixed they've been they're they're spectators a lot back there uh with how with how deep they play and um i i don't know it's hard to it's hard to gauge exactly I, sometimes their angles are not great sometimes their tackling is not great but sometimes they're also covering long distances to get to the ball and they're facing a guy with a two-way go so it's a it's been a tough position sometimes when you see the only time you see them is when they're trying to cover up for a bad mistake and then they look bad and I don't know how much that's uh, really on them, but I do think the safeties will get better as they get used to those angles. And um, they have some young guys like um, uh, Jaron Thompson has been pretty good. And I, I, I wonder if Chris Adamora might bring an upgrade down the road as he gets more comfortable back there. Let me, let me ask you this. I mean, cause uh, here, here's part of the, I mean, I, I talking as a, you know, Texas fan, Oklahoma state's obviously running the ball down down the field why would texas why would krikowski not and this is the like i i'm not mr x's and o's i mean i, I hope everybody understands that but i also so i recognize my limitation there but i also recognize some things that just don't make sense why was krikowski in too high safety when oklahoma state was literally going to do nothing but run the ball late in that game, there was no chance they were going to throw the ball there and risk 
an INT, or even a clock stoppage. Why would he stay in that that defense? It just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I uh, they actually didn't play that much too high in that game. They mostly played single high. They would bring uh, safety down so that the because they're in a three four two outside linebackers, and they wanted those outside linebackers uh, working the edge. So most of the game they would drop one safety down, bring deep, bring another one down so the linebackers could play on the edge. On that final Oklahoma State possession, and uh, 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 Joel Klatt noticed this live, right? He's like, why are they in too deep? And they, were, they were playing in too deep instead of the single high on the final Oklahoma State possession. Um, gave up a couple runs, right? And then the next play, plainly give up. Like you rewatch it, it's obvious they're letting Oklahoma State score. And uh, I don't, I don't know if they were. Um, I kind of wonder if they were letting them score that whole series or not. I don't know if that would make sense to do that. Um, but Oklahoma State, close to field goal range. I, I don't know. They may have just been. We got to get the ball back. Stay back in too high. Just let this go. Or, or maybe they, you know, they called it too high. They got for some reason. I don't know why. They get busted, and then from there they intentionally gave up. So I, I don't know. There may have been a little more to that last series than um, that might. That may have been intentional, and I'm not totally sure. Um, I mean, we can litigate it in the comments, perhaps. Yeah, I, I don't believe that the first couple of plays of that drive were were purposeful. Give up. May, the last one, I I'm I'm in complete yeah. uh, agreement. I mean, I, I think everybody saw that the same way you did. Um, if, if you watch, so one of those two big plays before they give up, um, and uh, Paul put this on the on the website, that they, they take just baffling angles. Like one linebacker just goes completely the wrong way. Foster takes a really bad angle from deep. Either they just had a, a mental breakdown where they were exhausted, or they had, uh, they might have had like Richardson or a young guy out there that just made a mistake. Um, or I'm, I'm honestly, I think it's possible that they, that they threw in the towel before that last play. I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know if that actually makes sense. Like I, but yeah, that's, that's, that's an odd, odd take. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't, I'd have to go back and relook at that. The, the, you I'm know, not sure. so, so my thought process is that the, the, for whatever reason, the Texas safeties aren't, and, and we go around and around on this, the Texas safeties aren't making a many plays in my opinion, the Texas linebackers with overshown that were out were beat up. Um, you know, so you, you think Alfred Collins was a revelation at the p- position. So that's one possible solution, right? That's, and, and Texas did play really good defense for three quarters, in my opinion. Um, and then the other one is, is maybe Jalen Ford. Is there any other, you know, I was interested other than Jalen Ford, which you mentioned, I was interested that Darian Dunn didn't see any playing time on Saturday when I thought that he had been one of the more physical defensive backs uh, that maybe could have been used in that in run support there. I, I just don't know. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, in our group chat, you mentioned that. And uh, he's apparently healthy. He's practicing. I They had Barron back. And uh, Barron played a little bit, and he played well. Part of me wonders if uh, 
they wanted to play Barron more than Dunn because Barron has been very good in zone this this year. He's had two very near interceptions uh, playing deep in cover three once against uh, Louisiana. And then this week, people might remember um, there's a play where Collins flattens Sanders after he throws it and Barron comes in and almost picks it. Darian Dunn played press man at uh, McNeese State and was exceptional at it. Seemed like a perfect fit for Chris Ash's defense. Um, and then, you know, they changed coordinators. And I think the word has been that adjusting to zone has been uh, a little trickier for him. So it could, it could have been just that they felt that Barron was a better fit for the game plan because they're playing a lot of uh, cover three to, to, to play the three, four. Not totally sure, but that's just one possibility. They have a lot of corners on this team that can play. I, I think that's been a, a positive of this team that's been maybe overlooked. Everybody remembers the, the deep bombs they gave up to Texas Tech, but they defended the top receiver for Arkansas well. Traylon Burks had only 37 yards. They defended the top Louisiana guy pretty well. Uh, Quentin Johnson wasn't doing very much before he got knocked out against TCU. Jaden Hazelwood, Oklahoma's best outside receiver, did a lot of nothing. Marvin Mims hurt them, but mostly from the slot and on those two, you know, just insane NFL plays. And then they covered up Oklahoma State's guys, uh, Tay Martin and Brennan Presley, really well. I think they're having a good season at corner, and it's, you know, but everybody talks about run defense. So yeah, I was going to say it's going for naught right now. Um, unfortunately, I mean, not 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 entirely, but but largely. Um, you know, I want to I want to sum up here, and um, you know, as we look forward, what do you you know boil all of this discussion down? to a couple of key takeaways for me, okay? What do you think Texas has to do on both sides of the ball, um, whether it's find an identity? What, what are the things that you think they absolutely have to do so that they can start changing the outcome of some of these things, of some of these games? I, mean, I think on offense, they need to figure out how they want to handle teams loading up to stop Bijan in the second half. Uh, the Big 12 is a little bit unique in that opposing coaches are not going to – they're not going to lay down. They're not going to give up. They will do whatever it takes to extend possessions in their favor and uh, and get back in the game. You know, like everybody's – Mike Gundy has been here forever. He's used to playing these one-possession games that come down to the wire. And they will load up the box. They will not let you just run out clock with Bijan Robinson. It's not going to happen. So they need to figure out if they want to punish that by, like I said, getting more bodies in the trenches to run the ball anyway, or if they want to say, okay, if you're going to give us shots, we're going to take them and we're going to keep scoring until we make you quit. Uh, just, that's usually Oklahoma's method is uh, fine. We'll just keep throwing bombs. We'll score 50, 60 points. Sounds good to us. I don't know if they really can do that though. Uh, especially it'd be good to know the extent to which Casey's thumb is bothering him. And um, why is he hitting shots against Oklahoma and not hitting them against TCU and Oklahoma state? Is it because he got cleaner looks against Oklahoma and he knew where to go? Is it because his thumb felt better? Uh, is it because they didn't cover worthy properly? I, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out in the coming weeks, but they need to figure that out. And then on defense, I think um, they're playing a very, difficult style of defense that's designed to stop points designed to put a lot of pressure on the front six. And uh, I, I think that it's just kind of a matter of 
getting better at it and finding the right pieces up front. Alfred Collins getting better with uh, OB and, and Fortin. Uh, maybe Jalen Ford. Well, I'm, certainly Jalen Ford is going to play a lot more. So I think, yeah, defensively, I think they, they can just keep aiming at their identity and getting closer to it. Uh, at this point, they might as well because it's not like, you know, they're basically out of the Big 12 race at this point. Offensively, I think they have a few more questions to figure out about what exactly they want to do. Um, you know, do they have the personnel on offense and defense to do what they want to do, or, or do they need a little bit more in certain spots, in your opinion? They do. They might on defense. Uh, I think next year they will without too much adjustment. I think, so they'll just get better, and some of these young guys will get better at uh, at the key spots. On offense, I do not think they can do what they want to do. They're not quite good enough on the offensive line to protect regularly on these shots they want to take. They do not have a pro style passer um, or Casey Thompson is not that pro style passer. We don't know if card is would provide an upgrade or not. Um, we don't really know where he is in his development. We just have to defer to Sark that Casey's the best option right now. And they don't quite have enough good receivers yet either. You could really tell how badly they miss Jordan Whittington. One thing Casey Thompson can do is uh, hit guys at the chains when they scheme up a guy to get open. And, um, you know, Joshua Moore is not going over the middle at 165 pounds and reliably bringing in slants. Um, they needed Whittington for that, and they didn't have him. And it was plain how badly they missed it. So they need – yeah, they need – one more good tackle, probably, that's not going to happen this year. Uh, they need to get better at quarterback. They need a better fit at quarterback than Casey Thompson. And they need to keep adding more weapons at receiver to really – I mean, we knew they were in Alabama, but they were very much not Alabama in the second half of that last game. Well, that's <laughs> truer words have never been spoken. All right, um, Ian, thank you for joining us. Ian Boyd, X's and O's expert of uh, Inside Texas – Dot com. If you're a uh, Texas football fan, please consider subscribing to Inside Texas. If you're enjoying these episodes on YouTube, please consider subscribing. Hit the red button uh, there that says subscribe to uh, our YouTube channel. Uh, Ian, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate it, bud. Thanks for having me on. All right, we'll talk to you soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.